From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations in our regular podcast episodes to give everyone a better picture of what's going on in the world of alcohol and mixology. Uh, today, I'm joined by H. Joseph Ehrman, the Chief Mixology Officer for Fresh Victor. H., thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Adam. So, uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with Fresh Victor. I'm obsessed with your products, actually. It's great. I make delicious cocktails thanks to your products. Um, so I, I, I'm aware of it. But for those uh, who listen who are not aware of Fresh Victor, can you give us a little bit of a history on, you know, the brand, the company, how, you, how, you start, how it was started, all that good stuff? Yeah, we, um, we are a fresh juice, cold-pressed juice-based cocktail mixer. All fresh juice, nothing but uh, very clean label ingredients. It's just fresh juice, fresh cold-pressed juice, um, filtered water, fresh produce for flavors, uh, organic cane sugar and, and or organic agave nectar as a sweetener. And so it is refrigerated, and we have seven different flavors that are available nationally through direct-to-consumer through, through freshvictor.com. And we started as a consumer product with the idea of um, making fresh cocktails easier for consumers, just very straight up simple concept, um, which, you know, came out of uh, both, well, Ken McKenzie is the founder and, uh, you know, Ken came up with this idea a while back and came to me. We, he, he and I have been friends for about 20 years and, um, you know, I had made my name at my bar Elixir in fresh produce driven kind of culinary style cocktails in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, and was doing all of this kind of processing of, of produce to make great drinks a la minute, as well as prep at the bar and, uh, you know, have lots and lots of recipes and all of that. So we, you know, kept it simple. It just, it just had to be some nice fresh juice that people could mix with, um, but in a format that's a mixer, not a juice. So everything has a pre-mixed sugar source to it. So, um, you know, our two core, like what I call the workhorses of, of cocktails, a lime sour and a lemon sour, right? We've got a Mexican lime and agave that is just lime and, and agave and cane sugar and water. And then our lime, our lemon sour is just Eureka lemon juice and, and um, cane sugar, and organic cane sugar and water. So those are the, you know, the ones that you can build all kinds of stuff off. Of. Every bar has in their well, they make, and then um, we have five other products that are a little bit more, uh, complex in that there's like one more layer of flavor to it. Um, they all have a little lemon and or lime in them for the for the sour component. Okay. And then, then there's uh, we've got cactus pear and pomegranate. And for I quite frankly didn't know cactus pear as a as a term versus prickly pear. I always knew. <laughs> so Ken had some Texas background, and so prickly you know, in the South, I guess they they call it cactus pear more, which it really is the fruit of the cactus. Um, and then pairing that kind of nice red fruity with the with the pomegranate for red fruity, which is a little more bitter, just makes a really great unique combination. Then we have pineapple and ginger root, uh, cucumber and lime, jalapeno and lime, and three citrus and mint, which is just lemon, lime, orange, and fresh mint. So you know that there's like a tertiary flavor level there, and right. all of them are designed to be mixable one just just you know fresh vector and a spirit or uh, water or 
soda water or some non-alcoholic ingredient to make a, a non-alcoholic drink, whether you want to call it a, a mocktail or a kid's drink or an agua fresca or whatever, you know, they're great for that as well. But they basically, you know, we position it as they mix with anything. So, and everything pretty much across the board mixes on a, a two to one basis. So say an ounce and a half of tequila, three ounces of Mexican lime and agave shaken with ice, and you've got a perfect margarita. Wow. You know, whiskey and lemon sour, you got a perfect whiskey sour. So it's real simple to move drinks like that. So, I mean, I think, you know, what, what's amazing to me about Fresh Victor, what I, what I found to really, that I really enjoy about it is, first of all, I mean, I sort of, you know, n- until the pandemic, I wasn't, I was making cocktails, but like my, my typical cocktail at home would be like, you know, a Negroni or something. Right. And then early on in the pandemic, I started you know, talking to my wife and we were like, oh, God, I'm going to go out and buy a bag of lemons and a bag of limes and I'll juice a bunch of lemons and limes at the beginning of the week, right? So that we had the ability to make fresh margaritas and daiquiris. But then when I got fresh Victor, I was like, okay, first of all, this is super convenient. I'm also able to make a lot more cocktails with them. And I feel like what a lot of people don't realize about cocktails is what makes them so delicious is the fresh juice. Like to me, that's what is so life-changing about a cocktail. And I'm curious if that is sort of like, what you also were, were intending to do is be allow people to be able to make some of these more intricate drinks at home. Because, for example, with, with your juices recently, I, I made, you know, a Jungle Bird. Like I would never have made a Jungle Bird at home, <laughs> and you know now I've I make that I've made them two Fridays in a row. Yeah, because I'm like, well, I have this stuff and it's delicious, and like I, you know, I totally see the use case for it. Was that also sort of part of the goal? Yeah, totally. You know, the the, the frustrating thing for most people that understand the difference between fresh and shelf stable is that there was nothing fresh out there. Yeah. It was it, like you said, the making something fresh and, you know, I've been teaching consumer cocktail classes for over a decade and I've done you know, tons of professional bar training too. And, and I used to always say back in the you know, mid two thousands when I was the, uh, launching square one organic spirits and traveling the country um, for square one, I would say selling, selling vodka into a sea of vodka. Um, <laughs> I was out, I was actually like spending most of my time on account calls, teaching bartenders, literally teaching bartenders how to cut and squeeze limes and make simple syrup. And that was something in 2006, seven, eight, that, you know, a lot of bartenders still weren't doing and, and teaching, telling, telling them to, you know, take bartending seriously. This is a, this couldn't be a career. This is a great way of life and all that. And so just getting the bartenders to make, fresh juice and and real syrup instead of buying it um, was a challenge. And that lit on fire, obviously, pretty quickly towards 2010 and then took off from there. So then then the consumers can get to understand that. Now, once the bars were making fresh juice, finally, we could get the consumers to understand the value of it. But getting them to buy a lime and cut it and squeeze it was the next challenge. Right. And so you had all these, you know, um, shelf stable margarita mixes and and such that that were on there. And you know, you go back into mid twentieth century, and you you get to your you know your uh, your Don Draper style um, <laughs> lime sour lemon sour and a powder that, that was being you know propagated around the U.S. in the twentieth century. But now we didn't have this 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 ease of execution on an, on a, on a simple juice sour. And so that was the main, main driver was just, you know, it's our tagline is craft cocktails made easy. It's just, let's just make this as easy as a pour. And, you know, when we wondered like, why, 
why isn't it out there? And you learn you learn things launching a company and, and building a company. And the, you know the biggest challenge is that getting fresh product to people in a refrigerated format is a logistical and capital intensive challenge. So right. that has been our biggest um, thing. And we're, we're, we've kind of you know with the growth of direct to consumer fulfillment through you know the evolution of amazon and such and and the the boost that the pandemic has given to that um has helped get stuff to people directly right away because as as we are now growing in traditional box store retail it takes time it just takes right. time to get each individual retailer on board convince them negotiate the deal get it in the system pull it through you know, so we're, we're growing slowly in that, but no matter, there's no way of really speeding that up. The direct to consumers is the fastest way that that's really made a big difference in getting this to people. So, yeah, so talking about the evolution of the company. So before we started um, recording, you said it had initially been started as like a consumer focused business, then you pivoted away from it. So to, you know, to on-prem and now back what what were the reasons for those pivots and sort of how has the company evolved uh, since you guys started it? Yeah, well, the, you know, like I said, the original idea was for the consumer. And so um, it was a lot of Ken was out there slogging it out at the at the supermarkets, just, you know, doing your traditional sampling, telling people, what's this? Oh, here, it's a lime, it's a lime sour. Try this. You, know, you can mix it with, with tequila, you know, the, over and over and over again. And that kind of old school approach to building a consumer food product through the grocery retail was another layer of difficulty in building a company and as and very time consuming it's the slow road to building a brand and uh what we also saw was that grocery was dying so statistically looking at you know again back to what the amazon effect like looking at how people were starting to shop through these different grocery delivery services and through their phones and not going to grocery anymore we were seeing grocery die so it's like why why are we going headfirst into a dying <laughs> industry um but also uh, you know the, the we saw that the potential to grow cash flow and grow volume was through the on-premise and so rather than selling we were, we were packaged in a quart size bottle 32 ounces and still with that two to one ratio that was about 10 cocktails so we also kind of realized that a 32 ounce bottle was 10 cocktails was a lot for for a lot of consumers so we actually started to uh, redesign our packaging into a 16 ounce bottle and made the effort to get into on-premise where we could sell gallons and pallets instead of quarts and really, you know, you make one deal with a, with a national account and it change, can change your company. So right. we we went it, into that. And obviously that's what leveraged a lot of my background better. Uh, I was able to to shake the trees a bit through my network and, and my friends that are um, had, you know, involved over the last 10 to 20 years in their positions. And uh, that was going quite well until last March. <laughs> we were opening some really great deals. We're doing great, you know, great business with Disney and we had opened up with uh, MGM uh, resorts in Vegas and and the, we were getting into the wind and we we're you know so these kinds of co concepts were happening and then it just got cut off and it's like all of a sudden it's like whoa time to we're like hey remember that bottle we were designing <laughs> six eight months ago 
we need to go back to that. So we, we made a very quick pivot. Fortunately, right. you know, we didn't have to change the product and we had already made a lot of packaging decisions and design. So we really just had to pull the trigger on printing labels. And I think it was four weeks, maybe four to six weeks before we actually had 16 ounce bottles in production. And the first move was get it, get the DTC going, get the direct to consumer. And so, you know, within literally a month and a half to two months, we had direct to consumer distribution available in seven Western states. And then, then we had to pull the trigger on consumer marketing because when you're, you know, just focused on B2B and there's not, you're not worried about Instagram and other consumer marketing avenues. Right. So suddenly we had to engage social media and engage PR and, um, and work on design assets and photography and all that stuff really wasn't as essential in, in the on-premise. So. And so were you mostly, were you mostly in the beginning when like sort of you decided for the pivot, were you going after like people you hoped were already cocktail enthusiasts? Were you like, what was the pitch? Was it, Hey, for cocktail enthusiasts who already understand the beauty of fresh juice, this is convenient. Or were you going after, you know, more cocktail novices, like, like all the people who rushed to start learning how to make cocktails at the beginning of the pandemic and now still are making cocktails and said, Hey, this will make it easier for you. And also you don't know what you're missing. Stop buying the, you know, the shelf stable stuff, start buying the fresh juice. I guess it's twofold. You know, the first thing is it's a lot easier to bring over the person who's already drinking the Kool-Aid on, on the concept um, than to convert them and teach them, you know? So getting those people get, you know, you look at the margarita as like the largest selling cocktail in America. And you, you know, there's a big market there and like, Hey, we've got quick, great margaritas for you. Yeah. How many, how many, how many margarita drinkers can we win right away? You know? And so that, that kind of thing was like, let's, let's build that quick audience. And it was an interesting exercise for me personally, because again, I've been, I've been teaching, mixology or you know simple cocktail classes for consumers for a long time and always the same kind of class like I, n- I never ventured into doing like here's four of my original recipes i've been teaching margaritas mojitos manhattans <laughs> and martinis you know it just basic cocktails sours collins highballs just to get because within that those lessons you get everybody to understand all of the different tools techniques terminology ingredients and then they get that opens the door for them to understand everything else so i you know it's funny because now i'm working with these with people on in the company that have consumer product backgrounds and building these companies and i'm a i'm a bartender and i'm you know and i'm teaching people i had to curb myself from getting too complicated and too complicated is is even just measuring you know like right you're talking in ratios okay two parts to one part that's a great easy mix so I eventually like I we just kept up going to that keep it simple stupid kiss philosophy you know um, right. where I just started you know maybe even shaking with a shaker is too hard for people so so what does shaking do shaking gives you chill and dilution so if you just put ice in a glass and you pour in your spirit and you pour in your fresh victor if you just add a little water you don't have to shake now you you've got an even faster drink an even easier drink and it's that simple. So I know on, on the side of the bottle, I haven't seen any sort of instructions for that, but it, are you sort of getting that message across to people in terms of like the idea for adding a little bit of water instead of wanting to shake? 
I've been injecting that into some of my recipes and my videos and, and such lately. So like when I'm writing new recipes now, I'm every time I write a new recipe, I, I, I do the traditional, put it in a cocktail shaker, shake it hard, strain over ice, whatever, that traditional thing. And then I'll do, so I'll do a build versus shake, two different approaches. And then I also try to always include a non-alcoholic version and if possible, a low ABV version. Oh, wow. So you're doing that's, that's a lot. That. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I'm, it's basically like, you know, I'm constantly developing content, right? These right. recipes, showing people how to use it. Once they understand what it is, the next question is, okay, do you have any recipes? And so I've been building recipes and then having a photographer shoot them and just getting all of that out and be like, look at all these great, easy ways of doing it. And the, the easier, I guess, you know, that concept of just adding the water, I started thinking about six months ago. It was just like, how do I make it even easier? How do I dumb it down even more? And, you know, I don't want to say dumb it down to make anybody feel talked down to, but really just making it easier, just because that's what, that's, what's resonating with people that, you know, I want it even easier. Even when I would teach my mixology classes, you know, I would teach these people and they would love it. And they'd be like, that's amazing. Now they, now they've got the skills that they know how to cut a lime and squeeze it and turn it into a margarita. But at the end of the day, they don't even want, they don't want to even do it, even though they know it, they would, right. you know, that's, it's much easier just to open a bottle. <laughs> and pour it. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So, I mean, in where can people find the recipe? So if they get fresh Victor, can they go on the site? I mean, I know that's where I found a few of them. Is it mostly on Instagram? Like where should people go if now they've listened to the podcast and they're interested in, in trying fresh Victor, if they want to make recipes that are in addition to the one, I think that comes on the side of each bottle, where would you push them to, to discover the recipes you're creating? Uh, the best central resource for that right now is Instagram. Okay. Um, there's and, and is, if you go back through our Instagram account, um, you'll find lots of recipes we've been engaging with a lot of different people. And so you're seeing a whole bunch of people and their recipes. Um, you know, I can't vouch for all of them. They're mostly, they're mostly good. So they're not always mine, but we are in the process right now of uh, having our website completely redesigned. And so the, the idea is to have a centralized um, database and, and repository for all of the rest. I mean, for those listening, you're, you're welcome to just email me h at freshvictor.com. I have, you know, I can send PDFs that have lists and stuff, but we are, uh, you know, we've, we've been around a bit, but I guess as a consumer product, growing consumer product company, we are still fairly nascent stage. So um, there are those, uh, growing pains that we're going through that, you know, we've got to get to the point where all of that information is more readily and easily accessible. But in the meantime, that's why I'm here. Feel free to send me a, you know, send me a, uh, an email and I'd be glad to share everything I've got. So I'm going to ask you a question right now. Uh, so I've made your jungle bird. Uh, I've made the whiskey sour. Uh, mm-hmm. I've played around a bunch with the margaritas. I was making my own like sort of Tommy's margaritas uh, this summer, but then I realized yours are a lot easier <laughs> because it's basically, <laughs> you know, like it was a lot easier to just use fresh Victor. So uh, I love tequila, uh, whiskey, gin. What should I make next with fresh Victor? Uh, well, on the tequila front, the, I would say my, my drink of the summer last year, uh, and I'm still drinking them, is, is a, what I call the Palm Paloma using our okay. cactus, cactus pear and pomegranate in a, in a Paloma. Um, where where I use either a grapefruit soda or seltzer more than say a, a, a squirt, you know, um, because you get these, like I, I'm, I'm big on the, the uh, Q spectacular 
what do they call it? Spectacular grapefruit or mm -hmm. the Spindrift grapefruit soda, ruby red grapefruit soda. Those are those have real nice grapefruit flavor, but they're they're really kind of dry. Yep. So they you know that's you know uh, all of our stuff is pretty well sweet and sour balanced. So there's there's definitely sweet there. So you know if you start pouring sodas on it, you're starting to lean sweet. So I I in these kinds of things I like to lean on drier products. So tequila, grapefruit soda, cactus two ounces of cactus pear and pomegranate, pinch of salt, squeeze of lime, build it and stir it. And that's that's a a great go-to for me. And then I my daughter saw me making them. So I just stopped making it with tequila and I just make that as a mocktail for her and she loves it. Very cool. Well, H, thank you so much for taking the time and for telling us about Fresh Victor. Where can people find Fresh Victor if they want to order it? Uh, Freshvictor.com um, or go shop.freshvictor.com. That's our direct to consumer site. That's the fastest way to find it. We are growing uh, rapidly in, in traditional retail, but that's the way to get it tomorrow. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time. Like I said, I think I think it's a a really awesome product. Um, I have to say, when I when I first got it, I was like, "Huh, do I see a need for this?" And like I said, I I now definitely see the need for it, and uh, really awesome. it's been, it helped me make a lot more cocktails than I ever would have made before. So, um, yeah, keep up the awesome work and uh, stay in touch. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also... I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.